If you're a podcast listener, my next guest doesn't need any kind of introduction because I can guarantee that you've heard about him at least once in your lifetime. And to my knowledge, he's the only one that has two podcasts consistently on the front page of iTunes. I think it's called front page because, you know, there are a lot of people that launch the podcast. They go on the front page for about a week. And then, of course, you know, uh, the algorithm and everything else kind of puts you or, or pushes you behind. But Pat Flynn, because he's my next guest, consistently ranks his two podcasts on again on the front page of iTunes so we can definitely learn a bunch of things from him so I had the privilege and the honor to interview him a couple weeks ago let me tell you this Pat shared some powerful stats like incredible things that we should all be aware from the podcasting world and also the reasons and the secrets of why and how to start a podcast so let's jump right into it Welcome to High End Client Acquisition Podcast. My name is Marian, I'm your host, and this show is here to teach you how to attract your dream clients on autopilot in 30 days or less. Each week, I bring you a guest or a strategy that can help you take your business to the next level. Don't forget, you can always get the episodes in your inbox or messenger at clientacquisitionpodcast.com. So the quick 30-second rundown, if I can do that, that might be a record, actually, because yeah. I, I tend to go on. So I was laid off from my architecture job in 2008. I started a business teaching people how to pass an exam in architecture. That went very well, and a lot of people started asking me how I built this online business. So I started to share that on smartpassiveincome.com. That was back in late 2008, and uh, that was a blog. It then turned into a YouTube channel in 2009, and then the podcast in 2010, and it was the podcast as I was sharing this business information as I was growing, uh, really made everything explode. And that's uh, because of, I mean, podcasting is everything to me because that's how I've, I've noticed that felt. <laughs> like now we'll keep this real because I know this is Pat style. So I'll just show you guys real quick what happened because it's a little bit on the, on the back uh, end, I guess. So we were trying to uh, have this Gorilla pod going and literally it just it just like collapsed in there. So we were talking about this. The Hopefully we'll get the second. <laughs> yeah, well the reason this is funny is because I actually recently invented a product which is a tripod that makes sure that that never happens. So just I saw that in the corner of my eyes. So I apologize, but uh, I love that. We love to keep it real. I do the same thing on my shows too. But in 2010, I started a podcast, and even though I was podcasting every other day, or every other week, so not very often, I was blogging three times a week and doing YouTube videos, every time I met people, they could not stop talking about the podcast, and the stories that they heard, and the lessons they learned, that they learned, and I'm like, what about the, the blog? I blog way more, what about that? And they're like, no, we love the podcast. So I tripled down on the podcast, and I saw my growth accelerate. Not just because I was putting myself out there in a different way and because in a podcast you can become very intimate with your listeners yep. uh, and you can scale that intimacy, but because the podcast was also giving me access to people I wouldn't have normally gotten access to. So I've been able to have people like Gary Vaynerchuk on my show, Tim Ferriss on my show, who I couldn't just go up to them normally and go, hey, could I talk to you for 20 minutes? But I can invite them on my show and ever since then I've become good friends with them. So it becomes a great relationship tool as well. Uh, and it has provided more income for me f through the courses that I've been promoting and the speaking events that I do and all those kinds of things too. So um, 
it's, it's huge and, and it's why I teach podcasting today because I think everybody has the ability to build raving fans, especially through their voice and through podcasting and, and podcasting is just getting started, dude. Like if you, if you imagine there are more than 500 million YouTube channels, there are more than about the same amount of blogs, there's less than a million podcasts right now. Like we're still in the early days. You kind of read my mind with the with the next question because, um, and by the way, guys, um, Pat didn't even know about me mentioning this. Uh, I'm one of your students from um, the Power Up podcast, and I've been dabbling with launching my podcast for probably about two years. So I had started, you know, the YouTube channel, mm -hmm. um, but I just like it never never got it going. Yeah, it never got it going, yeah. and it never transitioned into the audio version of it. So then after I went to the uh, to your course. You know, having everything laid out, and we're like, okay, cool. It took me probably about a month altogether. Nice, dude. But then it like completely changed the way that you know now I can you know I'm happily saying like, okay, I have a podcast now. You can literally go and see it and, and yeah. listen it, of course. But uh, you read my mind in terms of mentioning that okay, podcast is just getting started. Well, when I went through your course, and then for the even the past two years, I was thinking like, oh, am I too late to this? Hmm. How can, like you just gave us some real powerful stats, but for somebody that's, that's looking at the whole industry and thinking like, oh, even though it's still in the early stage, how can someone move past that fear of, oh, I'm too late to the game. I'm, I don't know if it makes sense for me to have another podcast in this niche because there are like hundreds of them already. Yeah. What do you think, like how can people move past that fear? Well, I mean, it, it, it's true to think that, okay, there's a lot of people doing it now, so how am I gonna stand out? But I think that's true with anything, not just podcasts, but blogging and YouTube and videos, and yet you still were able to do videos. Part of it's because you enjoy it, right? So that's, yeah. that's one thing. Um, a lot of people start podcasts just for the relationship part. They don't care if anybody listens. The fact that it gives them access to product owners, to other creators, to other uh, big names is enough for some people. However, there are def definitely ways that you can have your podcast stand out. Obviously, you have to have good con good content, great content. Make sure the audio quality is, is fantastic. A lot of people aren't going to go to that level of actually sounding decent. And the cool thing about podcasting is it's you, you don't need a ton of people listening to have some really amazing results because the people who do listen are gonna become your huge fans. The people who are gonna support you, who are gonna shout for you, who are gonna market for you, they're gonna defend you from trolls, like all those things. And when you think about it, you're like, well, how is this different than video? How is it different than blogging? Let's talk about how people consume podcasts, how and when. So do you listen to podcasts? All, like, not all day long, but every time when I go to the gym, yep. um, driving, you know, commuting, Exactly. So when you can't watch a video, when you can't read a blog post, you are passively consuming this content, but still actively engaged in the conversations that are happening. So when you consider, you want to talk about stats again, a person watching a YouTube video, and you might know this because you've, you've been doing a lot of YouTube. If a person watch, if, you, if the watch time of your video is like five minutes plus, like that's really good. Like to keep people on for YouTube for five minutes. That's, that's good. Sure. If you have a blog, um, keeping people on your blog for more than three minutes, that's you know pretty good time, which is kind of sad. On a podcast, you'll find that people are listening to half hour, 45 minutes, an hour and a half. There are podcasts out there like the Joe Rogan Show, which are two and a half hours, three hours long, and people are listening to every single minute because they can, because they're not distracted. When a person listens to the podcast, you're in their ear, and that, the way to exit that is all the way in their pocket. 
It's not a distraction or an ad popping up or another related video. It's just they chose to listen and they caught they got you in your pocket or they're they're on a they're on a drive, they're on the road. So you got them. You're in. And then that's how you can then build that relationship and get them to know, like and trust you and you can go from there. No, that's that's super powerful and I and I totally agree because I'm thinking when I go to the gym for like an hour or half an hour or something like that, that time I I haven't like I don't scroll on my phone, I'm not on my Facebook, I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, earbuds on and then boom, uh, yeah. rock and roll. No, that's that's super powerful. Now, what would you say somebody just starting launching their podcast now, niche or niche, whatever, <laughs> versus going broad? And why or why not? What, what's your thought on that? The riches are in the niches, which is why I say niche, because that rhymes with the rich. Yeah. Um, even though it's supposed to be niche. Uh, it doesn't really matter how you say it. What matters is the more narrow you can start with your focus, the easier it is to surpass that competition or to not even really have competitors at all and to also become somebody's favorite faster. That's really what it's all about, becoming somebody's favorite faster. So if you're in the fitness industry, for example, and you just have a general fitness show, I mean, it has to be really, really good in order for it to stand out amongst all the other people talking about fitness right now because it's so general. However, if you became the expert at ultra marathons and all you talked about, and all the guests on the show were only about ultra marathons, the nutritional plans were specifically for ultra marathon runners, which are like 50 mile plus marathons, then a person who is running an ultra marathon is gonna go, that's the show I need to, that's my show, right? If you go to the mall, you see how many different shoe stores, right? There's like the basketball shoe store, there's the walking shoe company, there's Crocs, there's the dress shoes, there's the casual shoes, there's the kids shoes. If you're a runner and you are serious about running, are you gonna go to Walmart or Shoe Pavilion to buy your running shoes? No, you're gonna go to the running shoe store because the people there are gonna know the most to help you so you don't get blisters on your feet when you're running whatever it is that you wanna run. So start narrow. Now, obviously there's a line, right? You'd be oh, my podcast is for females that are exactly 35 years old in California who have a golden retriever that's four years old. Like that's, you know, use common sense. But if you can find a specific little miniature world that has a very specific set of problems, you create content for them. I mean, you're gonna be the king of their world. And they're gonna be the person that you, you that, that they, whenever somebody else goes, hey, how did you do? Oh, well, you gotta listen to Marion because that's, the, that's like he does it this way. So become somebody's favorite, the riches are in the niches. And then from there, you can expand outwardly and, and, and horizontally. But often what I find is that people will stay in their little niche because they love being that narrow and it just is easier to create content. It's easier to find people and it's easier to be the leader. I have, a, I have a stu- another student of mine, his name is Phil. He has a podcast called Scanner School. Scanners like those little radios that you can listen in on emergency lines and polices, like that's his hobby. So he created that and there was nobody else going to that level. Like there were electronic and tech podcasts, but he was the only one that created a scanner podcast. And he, he's, he's got super fans now who are also hobbyists who are like, oh, Phil's the guy, like he gets all the business information. He has people who follow him on Twitter or LinkedIn and Instagram and all of his live streams are always there. That wouldn't have happened if he just created a general technology niche. No, I totally, uh, totally get it. And like relating to um, your talk this morning, because we are here at Reach Live in Denver, Colorado, and you were talking about the, you don't need, you know, millions of followers. You don't, you just need those thousand, you know, real fans. And that gets me to the next question. And that would be how, like, what do you do? Do you have a strategy that you can recommend people use? All right, you launch a podcast. 
what's like what's the best strategy to actually start getting fans? Are you doing a giveaway? Do you do uh, do you try to do collaborations? Like what's what would be a, like a behind the scene, I guess, uh, tactical? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many, especially for podcasters. I mean, number one, you have to be consistent because you don't become a fan of something that is there just for a little bit. Right? Like you are a fan of something that always shows up. That's why people are fans of sports teams because they come out every season and you can sort of be there with them and have something to root for. Speaking of root for, give people something to root for, have a mission, put a foot in the ground. And the more that you have like a specific stance on something, the more likely it is for a person to go, that's my guy, that's my girl. So they're gonna follow you for that. In addition to that, you can build authority through association based on who it is that you have on your show. So there's a very famous podcaster, his name is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. He became worldly known because he was able to invite all these amazing leaders and entrepreneurs on his show. And as by default, he himself became an amazing entrepreneur because A, he was able to collect all this amazing information, but B, people go, oh, John interviewed Seth Godin? Well, John must be great. And then now you can get access to new people to come on your show. When you ask them, maybe they wouldn't say yes before, but now you can go, oh, like, hey, I'd love to invite you to my show. I've interviewed Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk. Like, how would you like to join those names, right? So now people are more likely to say yes. And then people, the audience go, oh, wow, you must have something there because you have access and I don't, right? So that, that's another way. But I think the most important thing is to make sure that you understand a, the problems that your target audience has. So this is why it's great to be in that little tiny niche because you can better understand the problem that they have and create content to solve those problems. But B, understand how they describe those problems. So the lyrics, so this is what I talked about in my, my talk today about building raving fans. It's like you're a, you're a fan of a song because of the way they speak to you and your life and whatever it is that you're going through. So if you understand not just the problems your target audience has, but how they describe those problems. I think it was Jay Abraham who said, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume you have the solution. That's powerful. So a person goes, wow, you are saying everything that's going in my head and describing it in such like, you, you must have the answers. Like I'm gonna subscribe, I'm gonna listen to you, I'm gonna buy your products because you, you know what I'm going through. That's the best, that's the best compliment you could get as a content creator. Like, how did you know I needed that? Or wow, that solved my problem. And so get deep into the problems, have conversations with your audience, and then just answer those questions on your podcast or bring experts on to answer those questions and you're, you're, you're good, you're golden. Awesome, love it. Now I, um, and I love the way that you mentioned that uh, within your talk today, because that you know, really spoke to me because oftentimes, like when we talk, like when I talk with my clients, that's usually the biggest thing. Like, all right, let's see what the problem, what's the problem that you're solving. Uh, awesome. So somebody launched their podcast, they started to get some momentum, and then the burnout comes in there. Yeah. Um, it's usually six months after. <laughs> like it actually is very common. So what do you think? What's the best way for batch producing? Because that's. I guess that would be the thing, it's the same thing with YouTube videos. Like you start doing them and then you realize like, oh crap, if you don't schedule them in one day to do more and then somebody else, like what do you think the bad producing, the perfect, you know? I mean, that is the answer. That is the answer. As much as possible to batch produce, have a very clear schedule in mind so that you know when you are producing those shows. If you have hired help, which um, I often recommend people start editing their own show at first, but as soon as you can and you're comfortable and you're ready, start handing off some of that busy work to others so you can network and grow your show, market, all that stuff. 
But batch processing is a smart idea because it allows you to be in that mindset of creation for a little bit longer period of time and get more done and versus like, okay, I'm just gonna do one podcast this time and then one podcast this time every single week. What you don't wanna get in is where I was in 2011, which is where I didn't plan my content ahead enough in time, where as soon as I hit publish on an episode, I was immediately in sort of like depression mode, like, okay, I should do another one. What is it gonna be about? How am I even gonna do this again? Like, man, this is just a job now. Versus now I plan a quarter in advance and right now we're three months ahead of schedule, which is really great because then if I go on Tuesdays or my podcast batch recording days, actually, it's very specific. On Tuesday, I wake up that morning, I know I'm recording podcasts. I'm either recording my own show or on somebody else's show. That's it. It's not always perfect, but that's what I plan for. However, if I just don't feel like it, like I'm not good energy, I'm not gonna force it because I already have three months ahead. So I can wait till the next week when I do have energy and catch up again. So I have a little bit of a buffer period. But I think beyond just batch producing, I mean, rewinding a little bit, it's understanding the content that you're gonna be creating ahead of time and already giving yourself the allowance to think about what that content is even before you get behind the microphone. So now I know, for example, next Tuesday, I already know what podcast episodes I'm going to be recording. I already know who those guests are that I'm gonna be interviewing way ahead of schedule so that even in my mind, like maybe I'm in the shower or something and I'm like, yeah, next week's gonna be fun when I interview so-and-so. Like, what do I wanna get out of that? What kind of questions can I ask? I can already start thinking about it. Or if it's a solo show, I can already start thinking about what the outline might look like or just, I might come across a story and be like, oh, that, that would be great in next week's podcast episode. And that way I, I allow for those freedoms to happen by just being a little bit better with the editorial calendar. Got it. Uh, and then side question before we get towards, uh, towards the end. Do you ever run into problems? Because like when you schedule interviews with other people and of course you want to batch produce them, do you any run, do you any, at any point in time run into like, oh, this person showed up a little later. Yeah. I was gonna... yeah. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so of course I go through problems and scheduling is part of that. And it's just <clears throat> one of those things that you kind of have to roll with the punches as they come in. I mean, this is why you also batch produce and schedule ahead of time so that if in case a person does have to reschedule, you can just you know fill that time in with somebody else or another show or just take that time off and it won't hurt anything. It's hard when you plan an interview and it's supposed to go live later in the week, but then that person cancels. It's like scramble time. What am I gonna do? And then that content just becomes forced and you don't want to, you don't want to have it be that way. I mean, there's other problems and, and I don't know if you've gone through this yet, but it's normal in a podcaster's career to make big mistakes. Like you forgot to hit record. You recorded for an hour and a half and you forgot to hit record. Like it sounds so stupid, but it's very common. It's like, it's usually there's a, there's something that gives you, it's almost like a rite of passage. There's going to be some stupid mistake that you make and it's just part of the situation. I think the last thing I want to say is just make sure that when you interview people that you're actually listening to them and being curious because it's very common when you're interviewing somebody to just have a list of questions and then go, oh, okay, cool. Uh, question number two, question number three, question, it's boring and you could be replaced. The gold lies way underneath and you have to dig for it. So follow up. Why did you, why did you, why did you decide to do that? How did it make you feel? What was going through your head? If you could do it over again, how would you do it? Those are great questions to ask that can get, get you deep. And, and the whole point is you wanna get that person to tell stories. Cause when a person's listening on the go, it's that story that transports them from wherever they're at to in their shoes or in your shoes. So tell stories. That's, that's the most amazing thing you can do on a podcast. Awesome. And um, 
this morning, I just want like everything you say now kind of relates to your talk this morning. And you said some like super powerful stories that I'm thinking about myself. Maybe I didn't know if that would be a good idea to go that deep and actually share some personal struggles. Like when you shared the video uh, with your wife going through uh, those pictures and <laughs> things like that. Like how can people actually do you recommend, obviously you recommend, you recommend that because you, you said it on stage, to actually go deeper in every episode and at least kind of have a little bit of story in, in every one of them? Yeah, I think, I mean, again, stories are powerful and if you can relate it to you a little bit, it becomes something that your audience can connect with. And it could be a good story, it could be like have a happy ending, or sometimes it can, it can be something that was a hard lesson learned. But that vulnerability is something that's really key because today we're all looking for other human beings to connect with. And a lot of people, especially on social media platforms, you only see their highlight reel. But when you can show the struggle, then people will actually connect with you a little bit more. It's more realistic. Um, I mean, nobody has perfect friends, yet we're still friends with them. I mean, if you had a friend who was always perfect, you probably wouldn't want to be their friend, right? So sharing those struggles and, and opening up a little bit and doing it within your comfort zone is the most important thing. Some people wouldn't imagine doing what I do, which is, uh, you know, I've published income reports on my website showing people how much money I make, where it comes from, the expenses, all that stuff. And, you know, that's comfortable for me to show people how I run my business and where money's coming from and where the wins are, where the failures are. But your version of that might be something different. So I would just say, you know, basically it just comes down to open up a little bit, be a little bit vulnerable and be personable because people connect with other people. No, that's, uh, I guess I do agree hundred percent. And I also like just thinking back at yourself and myself listening to all your episodes is like, when I first contacted you, I felt like, oh, I, I thought I'm friends with Pat. Why is he not responding to me? Like after, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. So I, I do believe that it's it's powerful, um, like everything, that, the way that you, that you pointed out. What would be one thing that you would recommend to yourself starting over again? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I made a ton of mistakes. Uh, two things. Number one, hire help sooner. I was so adamant on doing everything myself. Like I, there was a sense of pride in doing it all myself and I, I, I understand now that's the wrong thing. There's a pride in knowing now that I have these certain set of skills and I don't have these certain set of skills and I can hire for those so that we can all do better things together. That's number one, hiring help sooner and getting over that I had to do everything myself. Number two would be starting an email list sooner. I waited way too long to start an email list and that was a huge mistake. And I think even today, you're going to see email take an even more important role as social media becomes even more private now, um, which is really kind of where it's trending. So email, especially for people who have a message to share and people who need to see it, um, it's going to be even more important to have. And uh, I waited way too long and I missed a lot of opportunities to help people and serve people and, and acquire new customers because of it. So I would, I would start email list sooner. So hiring somebody first. Um, starting an email list sooner. Who would you hire the first thing, the first person now if you would just start over again? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I had to hire somebody and, and go back into time, it would be somebody to edit my podcast because that was the thing that was taking most of my time. For you, it might be different. I would write a list of all the things that you do, write down how much time each of them takes, circle the ones that only you can do, and then everything else should eventually be let go, eventually. Start with the one that's the most time, that you hate the most. Let that go and you're gonna see like, wow, I, I can, this can actually be done. And the, the surprising thing I found, especially with editing my podcast, which I knew how to do, I was good at it, 
I was like, I, this is my thing. It's my baby. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm always going to do it. When I had somebody else do it, they did it faster and they did it better. So I got time back. I got better quality stuff. And then I got to spend more time doing other fun things or spending time with family or marketing my stuff. If you would be to leave the audience with something, like a number one tip for somebody that wants to start their podcast now, what would you say it would be? Uh, don't wait. <laughs> I mean, I waited a year and a half from the day I said I was going to start a podcast to the day I published my first episode, a year and a half. It was because I was so worried about what people were going to say about my voice. Is there anybody that's going to listen? None of that stuff. It, it was all in here. It was all in here. And the only way that I got over my fear was to get started. There was no right time or magical moment. I just started. And my first episode's terrible. I hate going back to them and listening to them because I sound so timid, so like just lost. But you have to get through the messy stuff in order to get to the really great stuff. I think it was actually John Lee Dumas who said, you have to be a disaster before you become the master. And so be a disaster, fail fast and just learn as you go. And there's a lot of great resources out there, whether you check out my stuff or anybody else's stuff, you can check me out on YouTube as well. Um, I mean, there's people there that can help you cut through all that, all the, all the, all the noise and, and find the right answers to get you up and running sooner. Because guess what? People need you. There are people out there who are going to the gym or commuting, not educating themselves about whatever it is that you have to offer. And they should be listening to you and they have the time to do it. And a podcast is a powerful platform to make it so, but I mean, they're not gonna listen to you if you keep being scared about it. And not putting yourself out there. Awesome, again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us today. Where can people actually go? And, cause I know I wanna mention your course cause it did change one. Like I said, I was dabbling for like two years before I actually launched the podcast. And I know it helped me a lot. Like in literally a month, I got it done after that. Where can people actually go and, and maybe watch the class that you have before if they want to check the course? I know sometimes it's closed. Sometimes yeah, it's thank you. I mean, uh, thank you for that. And, and I have free stuff on YouTube as well that you could check out, but it doesn't go quite nearly in, in depth and, and doesn't hold you accountable for those things, which the course does. And just proud of you for getting the podcast finally up and running. I think that all of you can get it done too. And uh, I'm just here to help, here to serve. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Pat and I hope you now feel motivated and inspired to start your own podcast, your own show, your own platform. Because I do want to mention this, since I've had the chance to start my own podcast, I've had the chance to actually meet and connect with people that I would have had to pay, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to pay for consulting, to be able to, you know, sit and, and talk to them. So, you know, having a podcast is basically allowing somebody else, regardless of what level they're at, allowing them to have a voice, you know, towards your audience. And that gives you leverage, gives you the ability to, to have something of value to offer to, you know, influencers and thought leaders and other people that you would like to connect with from your industry. So in the description below, you'll be able to check out uh, Pat's course. Because that was the thing that actually, you know, pushed me forward after I went to the course and I understood how everything works. I was able to get the audio version of my podcast and finally launch it. And, and also I want to mention that in the description below, you'll be able to also watch the interview in a video format on my YouTube channel. So I'll put the link below. And again, guys, don't forget about the giveaway. Subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Shoot me a screenshot of it at Marion Viasano on Instagram. And of course, you'll be able to check that out in the description below. And until the next week, 
go crush it. Hey, podcast listeners. I want you to know that I really appreciate your attention and I don't take it lightly. That's why each month we pick a lucky winner and we give away books, mentorship, software, courses, iPads, and other cool stuff. The way to enter is go to clientacquisitionpodcast.com and sign up. You'll get all the details there. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.